hello everyone and welcome to Fly on the Wall podcast. I am your host, Maritza Torres. And for all my old-time listeners tuning in again, thank you for coming back. Love having you here. And for all my new listeners, I hope you find us pleasant and entertaining. And I'm sure you will because our conversations can vary from many topics. So I'm sure you'll find something good. We discuss things from conspiracy theories to social media, or maybe even some trending topics, some throwbacks, or if we really want to get into it, even family matters. So I hope you can sit back, relax, and feel free to become a part of the conversation. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns in regards to an episode, maybe you're left with some unanswered questions feel free to follow me at mtv12 on instagram or if you're listening through anchor press the button down below to send me a message thank you once again for tuning in now let's get into the episode episode i have a special guest with me special guest can you introduce yourself please hello i'm freud ranger of omc and also known as chris my friend from way back way back probably elementary school that's right yeah wow it has been a long time yeah Yeah. kindergarten Ooh, oh geez that's right yes okay so, today I'm going to be asking you a couple of questions, just so, you know, the listeners can get to know you a bit. And also because I am interested in the answers. Uh, you fascinate me, to be honest, because you do things that I wish I could, and I live through you, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, let's get started. All right. So, how have you been, first of all? I've been pretty good, just, like, having to go back and forth a lot, and then, um, there's, like, a lot of weird baggage that comes with some of the stuff that I do, so I gotta, like, just work through it, and then, like, work at home, mm-hmm. and then just stack up as much money as I can so I can go for the next trip. Always going on trips. Yeah. See, that's one thing that I'm very jealous of, that you live in the moment. You enjoy taking trips, and for me, I have to plan my stuff and I'm like oh man I can't wait for that or oh gee I hope I can be able to plan something else but no you you want it and you go for it see that's that's admirable. It's kind of like a loose plan it's just like I gotta get there uh-huh. and then <clears throat> how I get there and like how long I'm gonna be out there and everything in between is just kind of up to the universe yeah exactly and most of us with so much fear we have to have set plans details every single little thing but no i wish i could be more like you in that aspect honestly okay so i'm glad that you know you're doing well even though you do have your baggage and everything but every time i keep up to date with you and your instagram because it's I can see your whole journey through there and it's really great because you're one of the few people that doesn't use your social media to make it seem like it's just like a highlight reel do you know what I mean yeah no I try to like show the really gritty stuff too and just Mm -hmm. like really give people a taste of where I'm at because every city that I've been to I love to a certain extent but also every city I've been to has its issues and like nowhere is perfect that's what I've learned because the whole reason I started traveling was to like 
find a new place to call home. And then the more I'm away from Dallas, I feel like Dallas is my home. But then when I'm stuck here, I have places like New York and California calling me that also feel like home to a certain extent. So it's kind of like a tug of war between where I want to be at and where I belong. Would you say it's more of the place or the people there that make it feel like home? It's a mix because there's some really cool people everywhere I've gone. They're just like my friends here. I'm just like, it feels like I've known them forever and I've grown up with them because there's just that such a weird, intimate bond. And it's even more weird knowing that they're like thousands of miles away and I just happen to run into them at the right time. Exactly, yeah. And like, it feels like we've known each other for years sometimes. I'm just like, dude, I can't believe I'm just now meeting you. And mm-hmm. like, what are the odds that I'd be meeting you right now out of everybody? What are the chances that I'd even be here? Mm-hmm. It's just like very, it feels like almost like destiny to a certain extent. Do you believe in past lives and connections like I that? I definitely believe in reincarnation and past lives. So there's some people that I've met that I'm like talking to and it's just like very weird vibe. And it's just like, feels like I'm talking like, like one of my best friends like I've met them before yes. and then when we separated and I'm like in Dallas and they're like in Oregon or whatever mm-hmm. it still feels like we're cool like there's like not this like there's a weird like, I miss them but also it's like we love each other from afar and it's like I know I'm gonna you see you again good. eventually you know yeah and it's really hard <laughs> to find people like that especially in these days yeah I feel like there is things like soul connections that go on through each life and then there's also things just like the architecture and art scene of like every different city is mm-hmm. completely different than another and it's cool like understanding how like some people work in one area and then comparing it to how people are in a different area mm-hmm. and then even exploring like the dark underside of all the different cities like seeing the dark side of LA or the dark side of Chicago or the dark side of New York yeah you never it's see like, that you never see that when you see travel shows yeah exactly, you see like yeah. You just see, like, the really nice resorts, like, the nice places to be. And that's why I always admired Anthony Bourdain, because he went to uh-huh. a lot of those places and took it more of as a journalist and culture approach than as, like, a tourism guide approach. So it was kind of like getting to know the people that were there and the history and the culture behind them while also trying to assimilate and be part of the culture. Just, like, really get that feeling that you lived there. Yeah. And that's, like, what a lot of people lack when they go on vacation and trips. Is like, they'll go there for a second and stay for, like, two or, weeks. Or they go where you're treated the tourist trips. as a tourist. <clears throat> yeah. But they don't really, like, go out there and meet the people of the streets and, like, become assimilated in the culture and, like, wake up every day and have a schedule or mm-hmm. routine there. And that's the stuff that really makes places feel like home is, like, routine and schedule. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, why I love LA so much. Like, even though there's people that are kind of, like pretentious to a certain extent and a lot of um there's a lot of weird like culture there that I'm still like getting accustomed to but the really nice part is being able to wake up and go swimming in the ocean or like go run on the beach mm-hmm. or go skating or go hiking and just like having all this space to really go out and adventure and the I feel freedom like the freedom the freedom exactly and you can also when you're out of your hometown you can kind of be as weird as you want to be you're just like you don't have you're, to worry own, about yeah. judgment or yeah. anything because no one like knows that. you exactly. no one knows you no yeah. one knows exactly who you are you, you don't have be to a make whole different yeah, person you can be whoever you want and just yeah. make whatever impressions you want on people it's kind of a nice freedom yeah, <clears throat> i can imagine it is so for our listeners out there who obviously don't know you but you'd be surprised how many people do know you which i learned that day by day <laughs> What could you tell us about yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. What you're into, your hobbies. For the most part, Mm -hmm. I started out doing everything I do now because I was obsessed with movies. 
I really liked making movies and like just getting into film and like a certain genre of film for me it was mostly like um I always liked indie films because I always liked the idea of anybody just picking up a camera and making like a really nice movie that people would go out and pay millions to watch especially the Blair Witch Project growing up I watched it way younger than I should have I never really got what was so good about it as a kid, and it wasn't until I got older that I was like, dude, I could literally shoot all this in my forest near my house mm-hmm. if I wanted to, and this made millions and sold out all over the, the world and, and also yeah. created a new genre in of itself. Exactly. The found footage genre, so I always thought that was really cool, and like that idea of being able to make a really important story with no money, I always thought that was cool, and that kind of evolved into like making music because for a long time when I'd picture these films that I had in my head, like... I could hear the music that I wanted to make to it, but I just couldn't actually play anything. And then every time I tried playing something, I was kind of shot down until I got in a band in high school. And that's when we really, like, started, like, uh, I don't know, figuring out music. And then that even was when then, you got your first taste. My first taste of being able to play. <clears throat> and then also my teacher at the time was very encouraging because I had teachers before when I tried to do music. And they just were not encouraging at all. And then Mr. Walls was always very encouraging and made me feel like... Um, I could actually have a future music or if I had a talent in it. And then so after I started doing that, once I got out of high school, I started making music with my friend Ashton. I got more serious into just music. <clears throat> did you bring it up or did he bring it up? I brought it up. I tried to work with Ashton for like years and he just was not down with it because our styles were so different. I was making really acoustic stuff at the time and he was really into like trill wave and trap hip hop Okay. Like electronic at the time, like back when it was first starting up, like in 2012. And then so I was telling him, I just want to make a freak folk album and I want to do this folk stuff. So I was yeah. playing with other people at the time, like my friend Elliot and Joel and also like my friend Hunter. And just jumping off of different projects. And then one day I brought Ashton this guitar song that I wrote called Hole and I literally just played it for him. And he was like, dude, that sounds awesome. And then we just like recorded part of it in his bathroom and then we turned it into this one really amazing song. We both were just in agreement like there's something here mm-hmm. and we made a couple of songs together yeah. yeah and then that was kind of what really made me feel like I could make music because before that I always had like even now I still have a lot of doubt in myself even when I can play Who like doesn't? a bunch of stuff it's creating art you yeah, have a exactly. hard time fathoming that you are capable of doing such a thing yeah and it wasn't until recently that like I really started to gain confidence and like going to New York and stuff and having to play out there mm-hmm. it's kind of like different it's a whole meme. i feel like that atmosphere was a lot better for artists yeah just in general and so more open once the music thing started like snowballing <laughs> i just started feeling more and more confident in it and then um ashton ended up having a baby so me and him like we still hang out and everything but we like music is not his like priority <laughs> and like he's also creative director at like a graphic design firm called dyad in dallas and so that's that's kind of his main priority and so um music things like still one of my big things but Mm -hmm. every now and again like film is the main main thing and it's just like music's kind of just like it's a constant tug of war with that too i'm just having to like go with bounce between mediums and i've also been experimenting a lot with like sculpting and with like painting and like photography how is it that you get into these new well, because I go to museums a lot, and that was okay. really what got me into, like, taking art seriously. Because before, um, when I got kicked out of Woodrow, I had to go to Dallas Can, And then Ashton, my best friend at the time, was going to school at Booker T, which is an art school. Yeah, the art, art school. Art Magnet. And it's really popular in Dallas. It's a big yes. deal to go there. And, like, he was just telling me about all these art 
classes that he's taking and we'd go mm-hmm. out to like galleries together and then people would just talk to him about all this stuff and I just felt stupid for the first time like standing next to him because I'd be like I don't know what the hell they're talking about I don't know about Dolly I don't know about any of these people I don't know about surrealism or any of this like like mumbo jumbo and so I'd just be like oh dude you're snobby now Booker T made you snobby and he's like honestly dude if you just looked at some of this stuff and dug into it Mm -hmm. you might really be able to appreciate it I feel like it's um, environments like that which allow students to be more open minded yeah and that's the thing is like growing up in South Dallas like pretty much doing anything involved with school was like seen as bullshit so me just being in band at the time and being in debate was seen as bullshit and then on top of that art was just seen as like white people stuff bullshit just yeah. bougie or like a waste of time Even a waste of time kids and told only, their parents yeah. i want to go to art school it'd be like you're slapping them in exactly the it's like yes. a waste of time and on top of that it seems a waste of money it's mm-hmm. something that's just like frivolous that there's nothing that you can actually gain out of it and then some a big part of the projects all the like art like the, the motivation behind it is to like display that you can make something that's really really captivating and important not just for like the time period but also like socially and you can do it with next to no money because that was the whole point is like mm-hmm. i had nothing and i like would shoot on my camera if i could on my phone and like record whatever i could through my phone like um microphone like just whatever i had my hands on just like make it as cheap as cheap as possible and like especially like right now we're barely getting out of that time period in the dallas art scene but for a long time it was kind of like excess and money was like the big like popular things to like document and so people had to have like nice high-end cameras to get their pictures of like street art and like people in like cool clothes i noticed you were a part of that before even that way so when it did pop up and i saw it everywhere i'm like so are they really doing it out of enjoyment or do they do it because it's it's literally just like one person would come up with an idea and everybody else just hops onto it if it gets enough like clout and it's kind of like the Dallas art scene touch, is like though. it definitely does, and it's a it's like a doggy dog area, like in Dallas art scene. Like you very mm-hmm. have, like this, we're just now starting to have like all these collectives of people coming together and like create together. But for a long time, it was basically like an every man for himself mentality, and like exactly. my idea is better than yours, my shit doesn't stink, your shit stinks, mm-hmm. and then like. I'm just trying to get along with everybody and people are just stealing my ideas left and right and also not giving me credit for them and also ignoring me in the art scene. And so that was kind of frustrating, but also... That's the dark side of it. That's the dark side of it. it. And then, like, whenever someone takes an aspect of some of my work, I think, like, they're never really going to be able to capture everything that I can capture. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be on the same, like, level that I'm on because Because I'm, like... Not just that, but I'm sleeping on the streets next to a lot of these people and, like... Mm -hmm. A lot of these people that I'm documenting, I'm not documenting them. They're, they're like, very close friends, and I just so happen to be having to take a picture of their ailment. Yeah. And then, like, I develop a really close relationship with a lot of people I have to, like, watch or document because, like, I live with them every single day. I'm there. They're my guide to, like, L.A. or they're my guide to New York or they're my guide to Philly or whatever. They tell me everybody, everything about everywhere. And I follow them around and watch their daily routine, and I end up becoming really good friends with these people. And that's, like another like dark side of it it's like a lot of this stuff looks cool on paper but i'm one of the few people that can really get the full appreciation out of it because i know like the full dark story behind it and there's certain people that can like take a look at it and be like that guy's suffering this is a beautiful piece and it's just like i don't know it's crazy stuff it seems almost disrespectful if you don't that's why actually it, try to connect that's what with. I mean because like some people just do it like candidly like I mm-hmm. used to or I just like park a car and just take pictures of people being yeah. gross and it's just like alright whatever and it wasn't until I was like 
being gross with them and hanging out every day, eating out of the trash and sleeping on the streets where I was like, mm-hmm. there's so much more to this. And there's actually like a lot of beauty to a lot of the darkness that people like but try to turn their ma- back tell on. Tell me how many people would actually do that willingly. Exactly. And all people will go out and see the beauty of it. And they, it really lets you learn a lot about the duality of life. Like Most people would just prefer to sit in their homes and judge. And just sit in the bubble. Exactly. But it's like, it's so much more satisfying to like be at the worst spot. And then get to the best spot, and then just know about the road in between, and know, and just it makes you appreciate the terrible stuff a little more. That's and that's why, why I, want, I think most of us would do better if we were a little bit more like you, because that's how you learn to be a human. And then also just like dropping a lot of judgment, because like a lot of people are like, there's a lot of crazy. I've met a lot of ridiculous, crazy, terrible people out there, but I've also met like some really, really like genuinely cool people who would give you the shirt off their back just to make sure you're, like, cool. And, like, it's certain moments like that that makes me, like, restore my faith in humanity because there's some people who are just, like... Sometimes I just like, you look at everything that's going on in the world and I feel like I have to document it because I'm like, this is just a crazy time in history right now. It is, it is. And um, it just gets crazier and crazier every day because I started shooting every, pretty much regularly since 2016. And I'm not going to stop until... I think 2022 or the next election or something i'm trying to wait for a big milestone but the whole thing started the documentary started um before trump became president okay and i wanted it to last throughout like his four years of america the journey of america and also the journey of myself coming from like adolescence to like trying to figure out what i want to be and where i want to be in the world and just like the documentary always like kind of changes forms it originally started off with us trying to like hunt the heroin trail Mm -hmm. and then those aspects are still like very integrated into the piece but it's so much more than that at this point and the more i look back on it the better the film ages it becomes like almost like a nostalgia piece and some of those early shots i realize are from a time period that's like long long gone a time a dallas that's long gone like yeah not America. only that, but just think about the gentrification. No, yeah, there's on. like spots where I'm shooting in Deep Elm, and it's exactly. like before the buildings came up. And I've noticed that too, and, and like... it's insane because it's it really is like you said. It's like you're going back in time and seeing things that are don't exist anymore. And I always felt bad for not reviewing the footage earlier because I have like 30 or 40 hours of footage that I still have to like edit together. But mm-hmm. I'm been taking my time with it just because I wanted to like really properly age before I put it all out there together because I want. I want it to, like, kind of make you feel good, but also feel sad a little bit looking back at it because it's nostalgic, but it's also, like, not as beautiful of a time period as people are going to want to look at it. It's still dark, mm-hmm. and then it's still, like, even though it was a dark time period, it's still kind of light compared to now just yes. because of how things Dallas and I don't know about you but I've noticed that I do com- well I used to complain a lot about like my neighborhood oh it's not safe oh or yeah no know, and people same are here. crazy I have to deal with like like crackheads or whatever yeah. but then when you think about it if you put me in any other spot like a nicer neighbor I, I would feel so uncomfortable because that's it's how just, I feel in Highland Park yeah it's it's not the same it's jarring and it's I don't know if it's culture differences or the connection that I have with like my neighborhood or what it is but I wouldn't want to have it any other way and that's exactly how I feel that's why like the more I like leave and experience other places the more I miss South Dallas especially like my little area I've been here for almost like 12 years so like seeing that view down the street from my house and like looking around it's just like 
there's a memory attached to every lamppost and that has mm-hmm. like it's good and bad you know and it feels like a threat a on ourselves when people like in in charge of dallas or in charge of managing us want to change it because they think it could be better so yeah. they could make more money and it's like or even we're just kicking this. people out yeah because yeah. there's a lot of these houses that have been worked on for like years and someone mm-hmm. basically busted their ass to like or fix up do? little they by raise little taxes uh, yeah so that way nobody out. can afford it and then what do you know they start remodeling selling the houses and it loses everything that we've built yeah and it also strips away the culture mm-hmm. luckily for me though this part is not that sought after you. Yeah, I think it's, this is going like to be a little too years. difficult. Yeah. We got another 10 years yeah. ahead of us over here because it's pretty rough. But it is. I've the noticed part, they've nearby. Side of the bridge, yeah. Nearby, yes. It's, and it keeps being pushed back mostly because yeah. of the fair. Yeah. But it's going to be a challenge, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty worried about the future of Dallas, but it's also like... I think the good thing about us is that we have a lot of families here that stick together and don't yeah. want to separate. So it's, it works on our side. Yeah. We also have a lot of transplants coming in from yeah, exactly. other countries and a lot of other states. It's mm-hmm. like a lot of New Yorkers and Californians are coming in right now. Oh, yeah. Very true. Especially because it's getting even more expensive. To live out there, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So I also want to know, you in your Instagram bio, you have Mexican American Explore. So I want to know what are the benefits and, and the downside to being an explorer? Well, the benefits, um, I don't know, there's some really cool moments where you're, like, waking up on a mountainside, and you're, like, just looking out at the view. Sights you never like, thought you'd see. Yes, yeah, things you never thought you'd see. Like, it feels like you're in a movie or a video game or something. You just, like, wake up, and you're like, Jesus Christ, this, like, beats waking up in Dallas, or, like, I can't believe I'm out here right now. Or, like, man, I wish so-and-so could be here to see this right now, because, like, it's stuff like that. And it's usually, like... I can't really, like, fully enjoy them sometimes because I'm, like, looking out at some of these sites and I'm just like, God damn, I wish, like, someone was here to enjoy it with me because mm-hmm. sometimes I have to go through it alone and I'm just like, damn, like, it's beautiful, but, like... And you can't like, even describe it to somebody. And it's hard to even take... Even taking a picture of it, it's just, mm-hmm. like, like it, just a fraction of what the real what it really is. Like, especially when I went mountain climbing, like, the higher and higher I got, I was like, this is getting way more strenuous and difficult and I'm, like, running out of breath and I'm like, my friends are, like, 300 feet above risky, me. Huh? It was getting super risky. But, like, every time I turn around, I'm just like, damn, there's no way this view can get any better. And I get higher, and I'm like, just turn around and think the same thing. And just the higher I got, the more and more beautiful it got. And it got to the point where I'm, like, basically vertical climbing. And I'm just looking, and I'm just, like, just, like, in awe of what everything around me is. It's just, like, it makes you feel so small, but also just, like, you, you are exactly where you need to be to a certain extent. And then, um... There's a certain freedom of being just like, hey, let's go here tomorrow or whatever. Let's go here. And then your friends are like, fuck it. Let's figure out a way. And then somehow, some way, like, just by luck, you end up getting there. And also by, like, there's a lot of, it's like a whole meme. The downsides to it are probably, like, figuring out how you're going to get there. Because, like, if I'm getting there by plane, mm-hmm. it means it's going to be a lot harder to get back. Okay. Because it means I'm going to have to have money set aside for buying a plane ticket back. And then, um, also, the way I do it is I usually don't figure out where I'm going to stay. I'm just, like, I'm going to go out there and, like, cross my fingers. That's what I was going to ask, because I always see that you're staying with, like, 
random people I've never seen before yeah, in your life or on your feed, at least. Sometimes it's usually people from Instagram. That's the first how I first got started. How do you come into contact? Do they see your stuff and then they're like, "Hey, come come through to." Well, with um, in Chicago, I went to go see my friend Sarah, and she actually graduated from Woodrow. So that was just a weird coincidence. Had okay. all the same teachers we had, and then also she was friends with Taylor, who was friends with Ashton. I knew I oh, met okay. Taylor. So the I knew were already there. I knew all of Ashton's family, and she knew all of Ashton's family. They grew up together just by coincidence. Oh. I just had never met her, mm-hmm. and then so she always saw my stuff online. And then so um, I was like, "Hey, I want to go visit Chicago." And then she was like, "All right, come visit me." And she kept saying it. And she kept saying, "Come visit me." And I just kind of just thought like maybe it was a joke. And then eventually I was like, "Fuck it, I bought a ticket. I'm going out there. I want to see Chicago. And let's do it." And I just got back from visiting Mexico with my family the first time in 10 years so i was like already kind of like wow getting this traveling bug mm-hmm. uh, when i went to mexico for the first time in 10 years i couldn't do anything i just was trapped to the one village my family's from mm-hmm. still haven't really seen anything in mexico besides mexico city at the airport for a second oh. and then i couldn't go and do anything because i was on a tight leash and constantly being watched so it was yeah. just like not very fun and so for chicago <clears throat> i was like i don't care if i don't have anybody to stay with i just want to be free i just want to like be in a city and do my own thing and I saved up just enough money to have an Airbnb for the um, half the trip and then like enough money to spend like a hundred a day and get another Airbnb for the rest of the week just in case things went south so I was very like cautious at that point but even then you have to think about just the risk you're taking a risk of going alone and then also the Airbnb could have been a weird guy luckily I had a really cool host his name was um what's his name I think it was Mohammed and he worked at like um what is it SAIC which is one of the colleges down there. Okay. And he was doing, like, meteorologist stuff. Like, he was mm-hmm. a meteorologist, science or something, and he would just, like, work with that field. And then he was really cool and gave me, like, hot cocoa and stuff. And I had a blast with him. Wow. And he was really nice. And I basically was there by myself the whole time. And then I went to go meet Sarah one day. And um, her boyfriend, who I didn't know at the time, but he was... Well, first of all, he's, like, the nephew of a very famous artist. And I didn't know at the time. I didn't know anything about him. I just, like, saw him in the coffee shop. And I didn't even know who he was. So I just thought he was a rando. And I'm talking to Sarah. And then, like, it's going well. And, like, she's cool and we're cool. And uh, she was just like, well, if you want to hang out, I'm about to get off work. And she works at this bagel shop. And then she was like, we can go smoke at my house or hang out or whatever. And I was like, all right. And she's like, oh, by the way, this is my boyfriend. Sorry. I just wanted to make sure, like, you weren't going to be weird or anything. And uh-huh. I was like, well, naturally, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. And then, it, which is, like, that's one of the weird things about meeting people online for the first time is because, like, you both have this kind of vibe because you're like, you might be weird, yeah. I might be See, weird. See, here's the difference between you and me because you're open enough to be able to talk to somebody online. I can't even talk to people online yeah. without freaking out about what they'll say or how I'm coming off. Yeah. Let alone meeting go, them go in a whole the other yeah. Exactly, yes. So all the fears would just be like, nope, 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 well, nope. Well, I think mean, it's a really good first experience though just because I had a lot of people that knew her. And yeah. then there's a lot of like mutual friends. So but I was like, even, even then, if this goes bad, too like, scared. That's why I'm saying, I don't yeah. know how it is that you can do it, but I wish I had that little confidence inside of me. Well, it gets even crazier because like after that whole trip, I met all of her friends and like, it was awesome. I had like some of the most fun of my life, and they were like some of the people that really influenced me to really keep pursuing the art thing because That's they good. they just like they all made art as well, but they were really chill about it. They weren't pretentious about it. They looked at a lot of my ideas and like critiqued them, but also told me how they were really good. And then we would just like collab on certain projects while we were there. And like Sarah's painting and her paintings just look phenomenal. They're like super mm-hmm. interesting and weird, and they're like across the like expressionism and like impressionism. Does she use and like a certain? Like, 
she's an oil painting technique. Oh, okay. And so that's really difficult. And she makes yeah. it look like, it looks like she's just like putting blobs and weird stuff all over the paper. And so it's like a bunch of weird blobs. But it develops. But when you look at it from far away, it looks like a pond, like lily pads. Mm. And then when you look at all the blobs closely, they look like little cells or organisms, like little plant cells. So it's really weird stuff. And then she would just be like making this beautiful piece. It's like watching like Michelangelo or something paint. And just because it's a style I've never seen before in a museum or anywhere. And I'm just like blown away by it. And she's like, oh, do you want to paint on this? Here, grab a brush. And like literally just like have me come over and just like put whatever on it and while be like she's, yeah. while she's painting and like i've never had anybody be like so welcoming to like hey please create exactly, with me exactly yeah and then i shared that like once i got that mentality i was like dude i gotta be the same way and it's so, like whenever i'm making a piece I'm, like if someone's someone in the room with me i'm like please what's your input what do you think on this mm-hmm. just because like i like that like just, that shared experience was just so like important to me especially like, growing up and then um, after that, she put the piece on Instagram. She's like, Freud Ranger, Slabu, collab. And I was like, dude, I put like three spots on that thing. <laughs> and I just thought that was so cool. I'm like, that, that but like, that's the kind of thing really that opened my mind to what Dallas. You, yeah. Exactly. I'm like, that's what Dallas could be if we just had more people like them. And it's like, yeah. Chicago's like that, but it's like very rare to see like Dallas artists being that cool with each other or like, not even like, I don't know, no, even yeah. the collab. And then after that, I ended up going to Oregon in 2017 and, uh, I want my friend Olivia, who I've been friends with since high school, and she was like, I really want you to come with me to um, Oregon. I have to go to this rainbow gathering, and I'm like really un- I'm like uncomfortable, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it alone, and I'm bringing a friend with me that I have to drive across the country to get there. And then I was like, okay, uh, I don't think you're really going to go, but if you do go, I'll go with you. And then like the Friday before we're supposed to go, her dad called me, and he's like, yeah, she's traveling with this girl, and... Um, I don't feel really comfortable with them going alone, so if you would please just go with them and like keep an eye on them and make sure things okay, and then just ride back with her. And I was like, all right, that's fine, I'll do it. And then so I showed up at her house the next day with like a hundred bucks. That's all I had from like my last check, and I was like, I didn't think this was really gonna happen. So I was like, fuck it, all right, let's go. Yeah. And so I got in the car and took all the money that I had, and um, we just drove off to Oregon. It's me, Olivia, and our trans friend Kaylee. And, like, Kaylee's much bigger than Olivia and, like, could easily whoop Olivia's ass and, like, possibly my ass. And so they're fighting. They're fighting the whole time up there. And Olivia pulls over in Colorado, which is, like, a day away from Dallas and, like, a day away from Oregon. So we're, like, halfway there pretty much. What were they fighting about? Just everything. Just every little thing. Like, they would just argue about everything. It's were just they like, like that already? Or was it I don't like know. A... This is the first time I ever met Kaylee. And this is, like, the first time I've seen Olivia in a long time. Wow. So I was just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And then so she gets out of the car and starts crying. She's like, I can't do this. I can't go. I want to go home. I miss my baby. And I was like, Olivia, we're going to be home in a couple days. And I was like, just tough it out. Just drop Kaylee off at Oregon like you promised. And we never have to see her again. And we're good. And then Olivia's just like, oh, I gotta call my dad. And her dad was just like, don't make those people go all the way out there just for you to, like, come back now. And then she's like, all right, fine. And we drove out to Oregon. We get to this rainbow gathering, and it's, like, no bullshit, like, 40,000 hippies in the middle of nowhere in this forest. And I've only read articles about it through Vice, so I was like, okay, I'm gonna do an article about this. I have my camera. I'm gonna do a documentary about... You saw an opportunity. Yeah. I already mm-hmm. been shooting in Mexico before and I already been shooting in Chicago up until then, so I was like, Alright, this is basically the third trip. Oregon, let's do it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do a documentary on Rainbow Gathering. So I'm at Rainbow Gathering and there's so much issues there. People are getting like sick from the water that's polluted and people are like oh, wow. getting sick from the food. 
And, like, the whole thing is it's supposed to be, like, a commune society that people, these hippies, like, build out in the middle of nowhere. And it's fully sustainable society with water and food and everything. And it's all free. And everything just survives off of bartering and, like, you know, friendship. Mm-hmm. And in theory, it, it, it works perfectly. It's a great concept. It's a great yeah. concept. And for the first, like, three or four weeks, it's beautiful. It's, like, what's called seed camp. And it's really, like, harmonious, and everybody's really sweet to each other. And, like, they're, like, loving you, family. And they're, like, trading acid and giving each other drugs mm-hmm. and stuff. And everybody's having a really good time. And then later on, you have, like, a lot of what's called the tourists show up. And it's basically, like, a lot of people who just don't really take it as seriously and who are only there for the drugs or to make connections or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they trash the area where we're at. Oh, no. And so the way Vice paints a lot of the, the rainbow gatherings and the articles, it's just, like, oh, it's a bunch of hippies just going to get fucked up in the middle of nowhere. And then a way that Rainbow Family defends himself is, like, we just want our peace in our community. We've been doing this since the 60s. And, like, they always leave everything clean because they're there for, like, three or four months after the fact, just, like, cleaning up everything, whoever stays yeah. at the camp. And so, like, I don't know. I just thought it was really crazy. And then towards the end, everybody was fighting for resources and fighting for water. And it was just, like, Whoa. not nice at all. People were just, like, the friendly, good vibes that were there the couple of days before were just completely Faded gone. away. Yeah, and it was like Mad Max or the Apocalypse or like Waterworld. Would you, so you blame the times because people, if we're being honest, people as the decade goes like by lose their manners, lose their respect. Yeah, and then I feel like it's just like 50 50 because there's some people there who really took it seriously and who really cared and who were really just like doing all the being rules. Not as and friends being with cool. word of mouth and everything. Yeah, yeah. You know? and many people, people really who just care. didn't care at all. Exactly. You know? And it was yeah. also like their first time or something and they were just like acting a fool. And then. I don't know. It was a whole meme. And then uh, towards the end, I met this dude named Caden, and he was like, just happened to be from Fort Worth. And me and him were just talking about all this weird shit and just like getting on like good buddies. And he was just like, I feel like me and you could get into some really weird shit. And I was like, okay. And then he was like, do you want to come with me to California? And I was <laughs> like, honestly, no, because I think you're going to leave me somewhere for dead or kill me. And I was like, I don't know you. And then on top of that, Olivia's not going to let me ride back, like, without her. She's not going to yeah. go back without me. And then he was like, oh, let me ask Olivia, and I'll see what she says. So I was like, go for it. And he's like, Olivia, can Chris come with me to California? And she's like, what the fuck? No. Who's going to ride back with me? And I was like, I told you. And then a couple days later, Olivia runs into this couple, Danny and Michael. Danny's this Argentinian lady, and then Michael's like this guy with a really big beard and like huge dreadlocks mm-hmm. and he looks just like a caveman and he can play the didgeridoo so he's just like he, this giant oh, caveman wow. I swear yeah. to god it's crazy this giant caveman dude comes out to me he's like <laughs> and he's like hey guys what's going on and he's just a normal like really like proper voice and I'm just like dude caveman it's like stuff guy. you see in movies it's ridiculous yeah. yeah and then so apparently Olivia gave them a ride in Oklahoma when they were hitchhiking and so she, they were like, That's hey, so they are from Dallas. That, yeah. They're from Dallas. And they were like, hey, can you give us a ride back to Dallas? We'll pay you in gas money. And she's like, oh, my God, yeah, Chris, you don't have to come to, me to, California. You don't have to, come uh, to me uh, Dallas anymore. And then Caden heard this, and he was like, oh, my God, yes, we're going to Cali. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, what are the odds? <laughs> and so that kind of made me think, okay, maybe it's a sign from the universe, from I God. I knew you were going to say that. It's yeah. God being like, you know what, buddy? Your Try girlfriend just dumped you. You don't have to be in Dallas. <laughs> just go for it and then even then i still felt uneasy there's still something in me that just, like, did not feel right and then also i still felt like i could fix things with my girlfriend at the time so i was like i'm just gonna go home and that's when i was like thanks but no thanks i'm right back with olivia so we go to a hot spring a couple days later 
way after Rainbow, we all packed up and went our separate ways. Mm-hmm. And we run into them at the hot spring. What and the then Caden's like, hey, if it, you still want to come to California, uh-huh. the offer's still on the table. We still have room. And then I was just like... <sighs> Why do you think it is he really wanted you to go? Because he really liked me, and he wasn't wrong. We got into a lot of crazy shit. And he was also... The journey he went on, he was going to do alone. He was going to end up doing alone. And then, so I guess he just wanted someone there to be like... I was a bit bigger than him and, like, taller. Back up. And then also, I also had a camera. So it was just kind of like back up and then also... I had a camera. We, I had my like musical instruments. We both play mm-hmm. music a little bit, and so it's kind of like just a decent pair. And I was like, he's a cool guy enough, so I was like, fuck it. But I still was kind of hesitant at the hot springs, and it wasn't until like me and him did some mushrooms together, and I was like, all right, whatever. Worst thing comes to worst. <laughs> if this guy tries to kill me, I can definitely take him. He's small. I'll be fine. <laughs> I can handle it. Whatever. This is a sign I have Whatever to go. Whatever you have to tell yourself. And then, so we end up going to Portland together, and we get into, like, all sorts of crazy shit. His car breaks down there, and we, like, meet another dude there, and end up living in Portland for a whole summer. Like, just living in Portland on the streets for a whole summer. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that bad. And we ended up making a friend Serenity there, and we would, like, stay at her house or, like, stay on the sidewalk in downtown uh-huh. or, like, camp, like, in our tent somewhere nearby and just, like... I don't know. And it was never really cold or anything. It was like 70 or 80 degrees like every single night. So it'd be like you're just chilling out in a back patio in Mexico or something. So it was just like... I always felt comfortable. And everybody there was super nice. And like the cops were super nice there. Because we would be like doing bong rips in downtown on the sidewalk. And the cops would come up to us and be like, Hey, uh, can you guys like put that in your backpack or something? <laughs> and we'd be like, okay. And we just put it in our backpack and do a bong rip. And they'd just like, like alright. And just bike off. And, I'm like, <laughs> oh, and I just like felt like free there. And it was just yeah. like me and like... A bunch of other people from Rainbow that got there. So it was, like, me and, like, maybe 50 or 60 other kids or, like, people my age that were just, like, fucking around this, like, huge town mm-hmm. and just doing whatever, like, playing music on the street or, like, going to the bookstore and just hanging out at the bookstore or, like, just, like, skating around or just, like, going to the river walk and talking to bums and just seeing what's up with them. And just, like, really cool. And then it got to be really dark after a point because there's a lot of, like, hard drugs there. So yeah, I'm, I'm learning how to pretty much be homeless for the first time i never had to be like outside and sleep outside so the whole time i'm freaking out when you went did you have a plan for how long no, you were gonna be there no i literally said... like when i went to oregon with rainbow i was like i'm gonna be there for a couple days max and then come back home with olivia that's it and then after being like in portland for like a week or so of being out there on the streets i was like Dude, this kind of sucks but i was still like you know having fun in between so it was kind of like a really weird like it was you were hard pushing yourself yeah through. so yeah. i was like yeah, there's some days where I would just be like, this is awesome. There's some days I would be like, this is terrible. And then we ended up getting a new person on our crew named Topher. And, um, I've he seen was, you post about Yeah, about and he was basically Topher, yeah. from Louisiana, and he was sitting there on downtown. And there's like this thing at Rainbow where um, if you wanted a cigarette, all you had to do was scream, Nick at night, need a satellite. <laughs> and then some guy would come up to you with a tin around his neck and roll you a cigarette right there on the spot. No bullshit. And it was awesome if you were close enough to one of them because they were called Nick and Night and they'd walk all around the forest just rolling cigarettes for people. Wow. And so we're walking in downtown Portland and then Kane's like, God, I could really use a cigarette. And then like as a joke, I was yeah. just like, fuck it. Nick at night, need a satellite. And this guy with a ridiculous like Ushanka Russian hat is just sitting there on like the corner of uh-huh. like Voodoo Donuts just on the curb just sitting there. He's like, I got you, bro. And I was like, dude, <laughs> seriously? And you're like, hey, and he rolls a cigarette. And I was like, I had a Cuban cigar that my mom gave me that she got from Cuba. And I was taking it with me a trade at Rainbow, but nobody wanted it. And I was like, dude, I still have half this cigar. You can add it to your bucket if you want. And he was like, fuck yeah, dude. And then um, I was like, so we're going mountain climbing tomorrow. 
And then sometime in the days we were there, we decided, because you can see the mountain from Portland, mm -hmm. Mount Hood, and I was like, let's go climb that. And then so we looked at how far it was. It was like an hour away, so we're like, fuck it, let's do it. And then so we're like, all right, um, hey, let's go to uh, go mountain climbing. You want to go mountain climbing with us? And then he was just like, I don't really know you guys, but fuck it, I'll go mountain climbing with you. <laughs> and then so he goes mountain climbing with us, and we have a blast together. And then after that, we're just like, do you want to come around the country with us? And he was just like, fuck it. And then so our next plan was for us to go to California and see how we liked it and spend the summer down there the rest of it. And we never got down there because we went to like northern California and got stuck because the transmission blew out because Caden passed out behind the wheel for a little bit. Oh man, what? Yeah, and we ended up stuck in Portland. And then the thing about Portland is when you're like staying up all night on the streets there, people come up to you constantly. I'm like, hey, do you want to smoke some clear? Hey, do you want some free tar? And so all night they offer you meth and heroin for free because they want new customers. Yeah. And so I'd see everybody that I went to Rainbow with just one at a time drop like flies, like just start you, getting into whoa. the junk. So like fucking zombies. It's like watching like a virus spread Damn, out. Damn, the transition. Yeah, so like these people who are just like all about free love and just like doing yeah. psychedelics and chilling and hippies basically just turning into junkies. It's crazy. Over see? the course of like a, a month or two. And then so me and Caden and Topher camped to the unanimous decision like this place is a fucking vortex. Mm -hmm. It's evil. We got to get the fuck out of here. And so we we're like, fuck it. We got to get the hell out of Portland. And then so... After, like, months of being there and saving up with odd jobs, we had enough to fix the transmission. And we drive over to Miami because Caden wanted to pick up this giant crystal from this DJ that he gave. Like, it's a whole crazy <laughs> meme, yeah. So he gives this crystal to a DJ that he was, like, obsessed with. Uh-huh. Knowing he would go back one day Knowing he would go it? back one day to get it. And got then it. also the DJ ended up having a baby after he got the crystal what so he was like saying how it was magical and how like his time was done with it and he was like thank you for the He's sun like, now you have to pass it on yeah to you have to pass else. it on to somebody else and so he was gonna yeah. do that and he went on this whole meme and like we went back to go pick it up and um between then we also stayed with our friend remy in colorado and then we also went to go visit sarah in chicago again we also saw the eclipse in Kansas City. So we went on this whole, like, long, just, like, epic journey around the country. Just, like, visiting everybody we had on Instagram. Just, like, let's go hang out with everybody. And so we met everybody just little by little. And then just the whole time recruiting people into our gang. And then, I was about to say that. Yeah. How many of those become members of OMC? Like, Explain what exactly OMC is to the people. So OMC is basically, um, it started off as a band. It was basically me and Ashton and, like, the name of our it was a whole meme because like the originally it was a band but the way we got money for the band was me Luis, and ian used to sell acid in high school so we'd sell like all the drugs we could from the deep web with our friend nathan but like pickles nathan mm -hmm. and then so after we made enough money we had like a, like just the basic bare stuff for recording and we called our band operation midnight climax which was omc and what Operation Midnight Climax is, it's um, part of MKUltra, and you can read about all this on, like, the CIA's website. But it's when the CIA uh, opened up brothels in Latin America and in America, and they would, like, slip acid to people without telling them, and they would, like, record them, their reactions, and document them. They'd go to brothels and have the prostitutes, like, slip them drugs in their drinks and have them in, like, two-way mirror rooms so they can watch, like, the whole thing, how okay. they react, and see if they could use it for mind control and stuff. And there's like a whole bunch of weird stories that's yeah, like I surrounded I saw some of those stuff too. with Operation Midnight Climax. Yeah. And so we just looked at that and I was like, that's a cool name for a band. And we're like, OMC is also like, it's malleable. You can like make that into any kind of anagram. You like, exactly. operators maintain the continent or like only members <laughs> cooling or omnipotent military 
caca, whatever. <laughs> um, you can like do whatever with it. Orthopedic yeah. milk cartel was another one. <laughs> and then, um, so, but the whole like, concept behind it, uh, it ended up evolving into like, kind of like the League of Extraordinary People. It was just like the weirdest, most interesting people I met across the country or like the weirdest artists or like not even artists like people who are just like interesting thinkers like you don't even have to necessarily have any sort of talent like just like an interesting mindset and so i'd be like dude you're cool as shit do you want to be part of our gang and they'd be like what do you guys do and i'm like we just talk to each other and like just like talk about things going on and share art and collaborate all over america and they'd just be like fuck it and then so we have this chat now which is like up to 40 members or 32 because that's the cap on instagram but it's like 64 across the country in total and that's in Canada, the U.S., and in Mexico. And then it's cool, like, having this chat, just, like, everybody just talking and saying crazy shit to each other. Yeah. And, like... Um, you're making your own community. Yeah, it's, like, making doing. its own community. Exactly. Yeah, and then just, like, everybody just talking and sharing ideas and stuff like that. And you realize, like, we have a lot more in common than we do, like... Than we think. Then we ended up realizing. And it's, like, even though we're, like, thousands of miles apart from each other. Mm-hmm. So the whole point of that is just, like everybody working together and talking and just making cool stuff yeah that's awesome i hope i can consider myself a part of no yeah you're you're a member by association yeah Yeah. that's right exactly then i'd like to know what some of your goals are like for film or music or anything it is that you want to achieve well big goals would probably be um i don't know because um, I don't really want to make money off of art. Like I like hmm. working just regular jobs and but keeping would it separately. But you like people to actually see what? But it I is want people, to, yeah, to like recognize a lot of it for what it is. I put a lot of sacrifice and a lot of like work and like mm-hmm. a lot of like a lot of emotional effort. And most people don't progress. know the story yeah. that goes behind. And it yeah, to exactly. Every and project. I'm like, dude, it's like seven years of just busting my ass on some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I want someone to have the same amount of appreciation, or at least a fraction that I have for it. And then, like, some part of me thinks that it won't be until long after I'm gone that people are really going to appreciate it. Kind of like with Frida and Van Gogh, like, mm-hmm. while they were alive, their art was still really badass stuff, but no one really appreciated it until long after they were gone. And then, so, I feel like some of my stuff, like, the more I look at it now, and, like, the stuff that's, like, six or seven years old, I, like, look at it, and I'm just, like, this stuff aged pretty well. And I feel like mm-hmm. that in 20 or 30 years, if the right person is to stumble upon my, like, various works, I feel like they could really take something away from it. And yeah, then and I, I think also... you're creating essentially what we all want, which is a story to tell about us. Exactly. And then it's also a very personal project. Like, I'm not creating for any, like, for money or for fame or mm-hmm. for anything. It's literally just to, like promotional release and to really just like display some of the complex things I'm feeling inside kind of like really try to put them onto the canvas and explain what it means to like live any of these lives that I've had to live and then on top of that I take a lot of influence from like James Brown he told Michael Jackson what at one point that they're he was just carrying the torch he was like, because of uh, my trauma, I can only take the torch so far. Because of your trauma, you can only take the torch so far. Mm-hmm. And then it's up to you to pass it on to the next person. And I think that's really interesting because a lot of the reasons I got into art were because of other cool, interesting artists. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of the bands that I listened to growing up and that I got lucky enough to meet, I would meet them and listen to them and look at them play. And I'm like, dude, I can make that. And not just that, but like... I can make a different spin on it because we have completely different stories. We came from completely mm-hmm. different places. So it's just like, 
I can make my own spin even on that. Even if you think you're just like some small individual that yeah. doesn't even matter. And so like right now, even though my work might not matter to anybody, someday someone can get something from that and create yep. something that does matter or create something even better. And so I think that's what's really and cool about it is like the pa- that's the goal is pass the torch to somebody mm-hmm. or um, just make one really nice piece that people can look at it and like be like be recognized for yeah yeah your efforts essentially yeah, but not too recognized where it becomes Got cheesy it. like redbone you know because redbone was <laughs> awesome but it became a meme song mm-hmm. and now it's kind of a meme song and it's gonna be a meme song for a couple of years until people get over it Got it. and then it's gonna be badass forever and then i see you as being fearless because of all the all the crap that you put yourself through and i just like think about it and i'm like i don't think i could ever do that but what would you say are like some of your biggest fears biggest fear by far is like my doubt i'm always like i like i have so much faith in what i'm doing sometimes and i'm like i'm out there and i'm doing it and i'm like i look at some of the stuff that i bring home and i'm like this is awesome like someone's gonna look at this and like really like pff, blow their, it blows their it blows my mind so i'm like i hope this blows someone else's mind too because it doesn't even feel like me sometimes but there's always that doubt like what if i'm wrong what if, like, I really don't end up going anywhere with this? And then sometimes I think, like, what if I'm in my 40s one day and, like, I had all this fun in my 20s, but now I have, like, no future, nothing saved up, no goals that really ended up being completed. So it's kind of, like, a really, 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 really big gamble with my life. Because, like, it's fun, but also at the end of the day, every time I come home, it's, like, more pressure to stay in school and more pressure to, like, really just, like, focus and, like, start a career as opposed to like doing what I'm passionate about and then I've been going to school for journalism and trying to like mend the two worlds but it's still just like so tough just because it's too much structure would you say it's not too much structure it's just that like what they're trying to teach me is something completely different than what I've like the way I've gone about doing it the business side of it yeah. yeah and like also it's just I don't know El Centro is not the best place to gain a whole educational no, journalism. I, yeah, I understand. I personally took journalism classes in yeah. my school, and I enjoyed the professor, professors we have because they let you be you in your work. Yeah, wife. and I had some teachers that would let me be like that, but I also had some teachers that like just did not like. It's literally like this is yeah. the right way, your way is the wrong it's way. It's like we said, like, teachers. The teachers you have matter because they're the ones who develop you and turn you into yeah the artist that you become. And I think also just like. I really need, like, every time I think I'm ready to go to school, I realize I need a little more time, like, mm-hmm. to get out of my system. Because my first semester, I did all right. I did, I got, I got all A's in, but, like, it was only because I got to catch up, and I was, like, mm-hmm. kind of screwing around. And I wasn't really all the way there. And then when I first really started trying to go to college, I was not emotionally mature enough, I don't think. Because when I was, like, getting out of high school, I barely passed because I didn't give a shit about school. Mm-hmm. And then, like, every time I come back from my trips, I feel like I appreciate the learning environment a little more. And so this last semester, I didn't do as good, but I definitely appreciated being in the classroom more and, like, paid more attention, even though I didn't do as good. And it's just, like, I don't know. Right now, I'm just trying to, like... I think it's because we start to learn how much um, it benefits us and society in general. Education just, it plays a big-ass part. Yeah. And it's mostly just a lot of pressure from being, like, first-generation exactly Chicago. yeah no yeah i get it I can having totally the family understand. being like but the, what your but ideas if we're being honest there are some people who school is just not meant for them yeah i like i want to believe that it's not meant for me but i do good in some classes so i'm just like i don't know i'm just you, you have out. the mind you are 
I would say you're an intellectual because you do you. I've seen the debates you get into. We were in debate, remember? Yeah. And I saw the things you would get yourself into, and I'm just like, wow, he, you have the brain for it. You really do. But it's up to you to decide yeah. what you want to do with it. So, so, so much and don't sure. feel judged just because of what yeah. society wants. That's the main meme. That's my main. Think about if it would actually benefit you, and if it wouldn't, then it's up to you to decide. That's basically where I'm at. I'm still yeah. on the fence deciding where I want to be. No, yeah, I understand. Biggest and it takes a long failing. time. It's never an easy decision to make, so I understand. But what would you say that your younger self would tell present day you if they saw you? Or what, what would I tell myself? Yeah, young Chris. What would I tell young Chris? Knows about you. I would just tell young Chris to, like, I don't know, um, hang in there because... Young me just thought I would never get any better. I also just thought, like, I was always going to be miserable and I was never going to have anybody or, like, any outlet. And then young Chris is also, like, getting mixed up into some raunchy shit, bad shit, and doing really criminal, terrible stuff. So I was, like, not in a good place. If I could meet young me, I'd be like, dude, get out of the crime. Stop doing dumb shit. So what would young you say to you? If you, yeah, would be would like, be like, what are you doing? Or you'd be like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> I don't know if I could. It's like, that's a whole meme because, like, I think about that a lot. Like, I always think about like, I was really kind of in a dark state in my younger years, and I was not like having a good time. Mm-hmm. And so now it's it's completely different. Now I have friends in a lot of different places, and like, although I have all this baggage that I have to bring home, I know that there are people around the country that really genuinely do care mm-hmm. about me and think I have a place in this world exactly and so even though I have a lot of self-doubts like it's way less than I used to because before I just basically like thought I wasn't gonna amount to anything or wasn't worth a damn and now I think I might amount to something and it might be worth a damn you will you will trust me you're a very unique individual and I don't think you recognize that sometimes but I hope you eventually will because I think you could do so much, especially for art in general, especially for the people right now who think they're in like the Instagram people, like I was saying, that fake it. I don't want them to fake it because I know yeah. they have the potential inside and of them. that's what I like about my friends, like a lot of people that have been like kind mm-hmm. of influencing lately, they've just been like on the opposite of that. They kind of want like they like that edge that my Instagram has or something yeah. that, that I follow have it's not trying to be like sugar coated it's not trying to be like you know cute or like mm-hmm. make my life seem to be perfect because it's not and like I think it would help think, if a like, lot of people saw yeah, it people what really it is realize, it's, like, it's not perfect like yeah. no one's life is perfect every single person you meet on this planet has cried and has some deep shit that's bothering them that they don't want to talk about some are just better than and others and some people are just better than others yeah, yeah exactly that's right and so people just want to fake it till they make it. So they want to, like, pretend like everything's good. But in real, reality, it's not. And so, like, that's why I try to show them on Instagram. It's, like, you have a great way of pulling the cover, though. Yeah. I want to show you And Instagram I hope that happens just, like, more so we can all just be a little more grounded. Yeah. And I think people really, like, can appreciate the both sides of it. Yeah. I completely agree on that. So thank you so much for enlightening me and letting me pick at your brain. No, no problem. Then, thank you for thinking I'm interesting. <laughs> of course, most definitely. You have a life that a lot of us wish we could try out, but if I the secret is just like you 
really just have to have faith in the universe. Just be like, fuck it, mm-hmm. and roll the dice. Plan far I mean, enough ahead yeah. to where you have like the bare basics covered, but try not to plan too much. Because if you plan everything out meticulously, one thing's bound to fail. And but if you just plan for three things to happen mm-hmm. or three main, you know, goals, then it's easier to ach- achieve them. And like everything else, all the little incidentals don't bother you as much. Yeah. yeah. There you go, listeners. Thank yeah. you so plan, much. Plan, but don't plan too much. <laughs> Any way that uh, you want people to reach you, your Instagram, uh, anything else? If you want to follow me, follow me on Instagram at Freud Ranger. It's F R E U D R A N G E R. And I'm also Freud Ranger on it, on Twitter and on YouTube and on pretty much everything else. So just look at my name and you'll probably find something. And if you have any questions or comments, anything you'd like to let Chris or myself know, just go ahead and follow him and ask him or follow me at MTV12 and let me know. Thank you so much for tuning in to Fly on the Wall podcast. And I'll tune in with you guys in the next episode. Thank you, guys. Bye.